few weeks ago, Irma had given me something, and I just went to pieces crying. Oh, it was a pen that her husband Bill had owned, and Bill was on the council, and it was this official pen that Pastor Henderson had gotten all the men when they signed for this property, when we went from a little church to all that acreage. It was an amazing time for our church. I have that pen on my desk. Whenever I look at it, I'm reminded of this fact, that sometimes there are spiritual fathers who will receive promises that the spiritual children will walk into. Part of the privilege of being a pastor, sometimes it hurts. In this very spot, I've had the honor of being here for homegoing celebrations for some of those heroes of faith. But knowing when they stepped into glory that they held on to the promises that God had spoken every step of the way up to that point. I wanted to speak today about something that some of my heroes of faith taught me from a young age on a flannel board in some Sunday school classes. In Numbers chapters 13 and 14, we read about Twelve men being chosen, one from each tribe of Israel, to go into the land, to spy it out, to come back and bring a report. The promise of God that had been given had been given way back in Exodus at the burning bush. Exodus 3.8 says this, So I have come down to deliver them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them up to that land, a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. I had said last week this this statement that sometimes the closer you get to the promise, the more it seems like a fight is looming. I don't know if any of you are there today. I feel like I have dwelt there for the past little while. As God's child, do you know what it is? It's my responsibility. No, no. It's my privilege to be able to speak life when it comes to the promises of God. When they went into the land, God didn't hold anything back. He allowed them to see it for what it was. Do you know what it was when they saw it? It was filled with strong people, large cities, thick walls, and giants. There was a sermon, which Dina told me about once. I never heard it, so I don't know what it was about, but I love this line. It is what it is, but it's not what it seems. Are you going to, when it comes to the promises of God and the things that he is showing you, are you going to look at the fruit or are you going to look at the fortress? Are you going to take things in? Because here's something I was thinking about. I was thinking about facts. There are some facts in some of your lives right now. When they went in, were there giants in the land? Yes. It would be silly to look at someone who was tall and say they're not tall. Were there walls that were in the way? Yes, yes. I mean, if I said to you, Bob, Bob, there's no wall there. You just take 10 steps. You take a run and start, and you just run out in that hall. You'd run right in the wall, right? It would be silly to say that's not a fact. But here's a question. Are the giants bigger than God? Are the walls bigger than God? 
It is what it is, but it's not what it seems. The other night, I had the privilege of meeting someone, and they shared a testimony with me. And you know what their testimony was? Their testimony was that there had been a mass in their brain, and they were going in, and they were going to get surgery. And the surgeon said to them, if I wake you during the surgery, it's because I'm going to have to remove your hair for this process. Midway, they're awakened. And so they think they know what's coming. Do you know what the surgeon said? The surgeon said, I'm waking you up because I can't find what we came in here to do the surgery for. Now, this isn't something I read in an Our Daily Bread and I'm relating to you. This is the person it happened to that I'm walking with. This is the power of God. It is vital. And this, what's wild about this, you know how long I knew this person? Ten minutes before they were given their testimony. How long do I need to know someone before I tell them how good my God is? Joshua and Caleb, they didn't volunteer. They got volunteered. Are you going to be faithful in this place, even though it's a place that you didn't choose or wouldn't have chosen for yourself? When you look at this, in Deuteronomy chapter 1, it was the elders who went to Moses who said, we need to get spies to go into the land. The younger men chosen. They weren't the ones who said, we need to come up with spies, but they were the ones that the people went to. This may be where you find yourself this morning that you didn't choose the place where you currently are. You didn't choose the circumstance. You didn't choose to lose your job. You didn't choose chronic illness. You didn't choose the diagnosis. You didn't choose the divorce. You didn't choose the prodigal. You didn't choose a home to be rocked by addiction. But the promises of God remain true. 2 Corinthians says this, For all the promises of God in him are yes, and in him amen, unto the glory of God by us. God had already promised to give them the land. God did not need them to go in to give God intel. When God parted the sea for these people, he didn't need intel about how deep the sea was, about what kind of substrate was underneath. No, God just did it. God already had the path to victory mapped out for these people. Faith takes God at his word, and fear wants to bring God down to my level. Fear says, God, we got to have a talk. There's some things you may not know about, about what we're about to march into. The size of what's standing before you is part of the testimony of how immense the blessing is that awaits Strong enemies, mighty God. Large cities with thick walls, rich spoils. Giants, I know a giant slaying God. Devil, guess who is bigger? I have said that so much this week. Devil, guess who is bigger? When there will be fear that will creep in, I'm laying there at night. Devil, guess who is bigger? I don't have the power to make God smaller. I can't do that. But something that I can do, and it's really strange, I can eclipse him. I was talking about this with a group of young adults the other night, the fact that when there was an eclipse a couple years ago, the moon is not bigger than the sun, but when the moon gets between you and the sun, it can make the sun disappear. 
I say that because some of us, we need to understand when we place God in the background, then whatever we're placing in the forefront can eclipse the promise sometimes. You know, they were told, be of good courage and bring back some fruit. That's what they're told. Those grapes, we talked about the grapes a couple times in the past few weeks. The grapes, the clusters were so large, it took two men to carry them, and they had to carry them on a pole. Now, here's something to think about. If there were 12 people, I used to think when I was young, two guys got stuck with the job. But if there were 12 people, we can think in theory they were cycling through carrying these grapes. If you read about the geography here, they could have been carrying these grapes for 250 miles. So at some point, the weight of blessing, the precursor of blessing was on their shoulder and before their eyes. At some point in this, you have carried blessing. You have carried a taste of what is to come, and you know that you know the God promise is true. But here's what happens as they're walking back, and here's what's weird. This Christian walk, as we call it. The other day I heard something, and it was something that touched my heart, and it said, we are all just walking one another home. That's what church family is. Somewhere along the walk, something happened. Some things got planted on the walk home that would bloom in the camp. That word fact and that word evidence, I want to talk about it for a second. Facts versus evidence. You may be like, isn't that the same thing? Tomato, tomato? No. What you have seen when it comes to evidence is just a taste of what Jesus is going to do. The fact, the fact may be that doctor's report that you got, but the evidence is that my God heals. Every fact is merely a scarecrow. I love this. A wise bird knows that a scarecrow is simply an advertisement. There are scarecrows in all of the best gardens. If I'm wise, I'm going to treat the scarecrow like an invitation. Faith is a bird which loves to perch on the scarecrows. Whatever the giant is that's before you, it's the scarecrow. Whatever the wall is that's before you, it's the scarecrow in Jesus' name. What lies on the other side? Something that none of the ten could argue was the land was rich. And here's something, a challenge to you. When it comes to faith, your words matter. Let me repeat that. When it comes to faith, your words matter. Why is that? Because these guys could say what the richness of the land was. They could call it out for what it was, exactly as good as God said it was. You know what they did after that, though? They put a word in there. Do you know what it was? Nevertheless. We don't say that now, We're shorthand. We would say, but I know God can heal, but I know God's bigger than addiction, but I know God has a calling on my life, but do you know what that means when you look up the meaning of that word? Nevertheless means it comes to an end. So I can stand and speak testimony, but when I attach but to it, when I say nevertheless on the end of that, it means in my heart I want it to come to an end. Do you know why I want it to? Because it scares me. Because it scares me. In my heart needs to stop speaking death 
There are times, and again, there are, I'm not going to give the devil glory for me getting in my own way. Speak life only. The ten, do you know what they do next? They begin to make a list of all the people that stand between them and the God promise. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. You know, and I just think a lion king when you're like Mufasa, ooh, like Anak, ooh, say it again. You can probably, in your walk, make a list of people who have positioned themselves between you and the promises of God. Do you know what that's saying in not so many words? It would be like if I had a problem with Josh, it would be like me saying, Josh is bigger than the God plan. Who am I to tell God what he cannot overcome? Who am I to do that? Don't make the list of people. If you have made the list of people, tear up the list of people. In Deuteronomy 25, there shall be no man able to stand before you, for the Lord your God shall lay the fear of you and the dread of you upon all the land that you shall tread upon, as he has said to you. I have been in situations where I have felt the evil in the room. You ever felt that? I mean, just like the darkness. And I have been in rooms where someone who is filled with the spirit of God walks in the room, and I get those Holy Ghost forearm feelings coming up, right? And you know that something is happening in the spiritual. When it came time to give the report... This is how the 10 spies started off when they got back. We went to the land where you sent us. You know what I was reminded of? I was reminded of that movie Dirty Dancing at the end when Johnny comes up and is like, nobody puts baby in the corner. And I feel like sometimes in our spiritual walk, we stand with our nose in the corner where the enemy tells us to sit. Nobody drags God's child through this walk. I don't want to be the one to drag me. Philippians 4.11 says, I have learned in whatsoever state I am in, therewith to be content. So they say, we went to the place that you sent us, and here's the fruit, here's the grapes. Here, have a grape or 15, because the bunch is so big. Just take as many grapes as you want. But right now, you're on a mission. Whose report Will you give? Will you give the God report or the man report? Will you give fear's report? Will you give depression's report? Will you give the generational curse report that you think you're walking under? Will you give the odds report? Will you give the doctor's odds report? Are you going to give God's report? I am done with God's report being in small print with an asterisk after I give my laundry list of why he can't. I am ready to walk where he wants me to walk. The 10, they give their report. Do you know what it is? We can't do it. Here's what's wild. There was no part of that scouting mission that had to do with can we or can't we. They just threw that in on that. It is time for us as a church to not stop at it is what it is. The battle never belonged to us. 
They give a perfect template, these 10, on how not to talk in verse 33, chapter 13. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak. They came from the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. Oh, Lord. Here's something that the enemy is unable to do. The enemy is unable to make the child of God smaller. He's unable to do it. There may be situations where you shrink back. Do not step back when you're coming into the land. Do not step back when you're nearing the promise. Do not see yourself as being so minor to things because God gave promises. And I am telling you in this season, when we had the band of brothers, I want to walk in the land beside my brothers. I want to walk in the land beside my church family. Caleb and Joshua. It's said of Caleb in the Bible in Numbers 14 that he had a different spirit. He followed God wholeheartedly. Joshua was described in Numbers 27 as a man possessing a spirit of leadership. Well, here's the truth. These things were not activated when they went into the promised land. They were cultivated before that point. And so as a church, I urge you to be wholeheartedly after Jesus now. When we're in this, what we consider hallway or waiting time sometimes, do not wait for the important things to be faithful because this is an important thing. Caleb, he comes from the tribe of Judah. You may have heard of that because that's the same tribe that Jesus came from. But here's the thing about Caleb. His clan was kind of the lower end of the tribe of Judah. He was kind of a man with a poor reputation. You know what his name meant? Dog. I never got that with biblical things, you know, like, hey, a new baby. Like, the men's just had a baby, right? And we're so excited. And could you imagine, hey, I'm so excited. I'm going to call you dog. No, what about something better? But never mind that. He probably wasn't well-educated. He didn't come from royalty. He's not the kind of person that when he stood up in the room that people were like, hush, everybody, Caleb's talking. He's so important. But he didn't allow those facts to deter him from the evidence that God had chosen him for this mission. What others thought of him did not deter him from speaking the promise. It is what it is, but it's not what it seems. God didn't need those spies to tell him what was good in the land because he already knew it. Here's what God was wondering, and here's what God's wondering now. If praise is going to accompany the promise. Wait, because I don't think you heard that. The promise that's been given right now is praise going up. Because God wasn't waiting on them to get the plan. He was waiting for the praise. Because when it comes to the praise, do you know what the praise is? Praise is an echo of a God fact. That's what praise is. I feel like there's times that the roof could tear off this place. Not because of natural disaster, (laughs) because of praise. And I think that there's times where we know that we know what God has done for us, but in some way we're trying to be formal and not let that shout out. 
Caleb proceeds to do something. He proceeds to be politically incorrect. Some of us are all about this, right? Yeah, tell him right up. He takes an unpopular message and he takes a stand. In the coming days, weeks, and months, church, you're going to have an opportunity to take a stand on various things. I would urge you to take a stand for Jesus before you take a stand for anything else. With every step of the journey, it can affirm who God is. Caleb's report was the exact opposite of the 10 people. It says in verse 30 of chapter 13 in Numbers, Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let's go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. So he says this when he senses that the room, that the crowd is turning, he stands up. And what's wild about this is let's do it right now. He went there in faith. Are you ready to go there in faith? Because the time is coming when you need to step there, where the safety of here is going to call on you to step up and speak God's truth there. Here's something that we can do, especially those of us who consider ourselves spiritual. (laughs) This is wrong, but I'm going to do it. It comes to spying and stepping. We act like we're doing this spiritual thing when we spend more time spying when God says we should be stepping. The 40 days, nobody told them 40 days. They picked the 40 days. If they were going to be negative, they could have done that in a couple hours and come back and said, we can't do it. It's funny, though, because when you look at what Caleb says, he says, we are well able to overcome. Dig into those words in the meaning of those words, the words that were originally used, and you can dial that back to the words that are used for dynamite. In other words, Caleb stands up all fiery, and he's like, let's go do it now, because we're like a stick of dynamite with an extra stick tied to it for good measure. Let's go. But then fear counters. The ten counter, and the ten say, we cannot take the land. When you begin to speak in fear, you know what happens? The giants grow taller. The walls get thicker. The promised land, they even said, okay, it went from being a land that flows with milk and honey, the giant grapes, to this point now, they're like, it is terrible. The land literally swallows people up. It opens up and eats people. No, it doesn't. You will see yourself as small. Chapter 14 opens with this, that the people were fearful and they spent all night crying in fear. They spent all night doubting the plan. They spent all night wishing that they had died back in Egypt. When Joshua and Caleb took a stand, do you know where it got them? Do you think people applauded? People were like, we have been waiting for two young men to stand up and to speak opposite of everyone. No, they're like, get some rocks. We're going to stone them. That'll make them be quiet. This is what was going to happen. Caleb didn't deny the facts, but Caleb spoke to the God evidence. When Caleb spoke, he wasn't speaking to the 10 people. He was speaking to 2 million people. The odds, when you look at this, of Caleb and Joshua taking the God stand, do you know, like when you do the math on it, it is literally one in one million. Would you be willing to be the one in one million? 
Would you be willing to be the one in 10, the one in your family, the one in your workplace? Would you be willing to be that one? Caleb's evidence was this. Leaving Egypt isn't just about leaving something. It's God directing to something better. God never delivers without a plan to establish. Deuteronomy 6.23 says, And he brought us out from there, Egypt, that he might bring us in to give us the land which he swore to give to our fathers. Because the people believed the ten, and not Joshua and Caleb, 40 days turned into 40 years. One year for each day that they were in that land. Here's what's wild about it. And here's the part that may not seem fair. Joshua and Caleb got the same time out that the people did. And we know from reading this story that those who did not have faith to see the promise would fall in the desert. That God would preserve Joshua and Caleb. But it brings up a point here. Some of you may be in a place where you feel like because of the actions of other people that some of your best years have been stolen. Spiritually. You may think there was a time that I was on fire for God when I was younger. When I could have done so many things when I was younger. And then this happened. Now during this time, Joshua and Caleb did not walk around pointing to each one of the children of Israel. Like you did this, you did this. They walked faithfully. The words that would be used to describe a young Caleb were this, passionate, obedient, and ready to take the land. Even in the waiting, those things did not waver. The Bible says this. So on that day, Moses swore to me, this is Caleb, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever, because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time that he said this to Moses. While Israel moved about in the wilderness, so here I am today, 85 years old. I am still as strong today as the day that Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out and to battle as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified. But the Lord will be helping me and I will drive them out just as he said. That. You are not past the place of God promise. If there is breath, there is continued plan on this earth. Do not think that it has passed you by. That is a lie of the enemy. It's time to step in to that season of taking the land. Within eight weeks, 10 of those guys who gave the bad report, they would be dead from a plague. But notice where it said there, and I say that to everyone in this place. It said, wherever your feet have touched will be an inheritance toward your children. You do not have to be over a certain age in this building to be a spiritual hero or mother or father. You need to be faithful now. 
I say that all the time. You could be a teenager sitting in this place. You know what? You are looked up to by someone else, and someone's depending on you to pull your spiritual weight to walk into the land. I mean it. I say it in a way that I know there are promises that God has given me that if he tarries, I may not see myself. But when we are faithful, then those who follow us will walk into the land. Every time I look at that pen, I'm reminded of that. There's a picture in an old photo album. You know, I always remember, Eric, where your dad sat. We couldn't sit there because it said reserved for ushers. But it was a picture of the old church. It was our last service there. Bernice was there. Lenny was there. The Rices were there. All of you were like, who are those people? Those were giant killers. Those were promised steppers. Those were people who, despite odds, said, let's go forward. I want to read you something. And that'll be it. Because you're thinking, you know, I know when I'm in church, you're like, say close, say close. Several generations ago, during a turbulent time in the desert wars in the Middle East, a spy was captured and he was sentenced to death by a general. The general was a man of intelligence and compassion. But he had adopted a strange and unusual custom in such cases. He permitted the condemned person to make a choice. The prisoner could either face a firing squad or that prisoner could pass through the black door. As the moment of execution drew near, the general ordered the spy to be brought before him for a short final interview. The primary purpose of this interview was to receive the answer of the doomed man to this question. What is it going to be? Will it be a firing squad or will it be the black door? This wasn't an easy decision and the prisoner hesitated. But as soon as his mind was made up, he made it known that he much preferred the firing squad to the unknown horrors that may await him behind the ominous and mysterious door. Not long thereafter, a volley of shots in the courtyard announced that the grim sentence had been fulfilled. The general, staring at his boots, turned to his aide and he said, You see how it is with men. They will always prefer the known to the unknown. It is characteristic of people to be afraid of what is undefined. Yet I gave him his choice. The aide turned to the general and said, What lies behind the black door? The general turned to him and said, Freedom. And I've only known a few brave men who were courageous enough to take it. As a church, what we walk into may seem like the unknown. But has God failed you yet? Has God failed us yet? If you'll stand.
Here's what I'm going to ask as we close this out. I want you to take a few seconds. I want you to think of some God evidence in your life. Evidence. You know that you know when he's come through. And when we pray, I want you just to thank him for that evidence. I want you to consider that it does not end here. The the promise still stands. If you'll bow your heads. Father, right now, we come before you. I place the evidence right before the enemy. Father, before I was even born, you had a plan. Father, when my mother laid on her back for months and the church came to her, you had a plan. And for each person here, there's evidence of your plan. And God, I pray right now that you would bring that evidence before them. We thank you for what you have done in each and every one of our lives. Father, I thank you for the way that you move, for the way that you go before. With any giant that stands, I pray, Lord, that in the spirit we would hear the echoes of that giant falling even now. I speak freedom over this house. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.